Coming up on today's show... They needed a keyboard player and a drummer, so I and um, a good friend of mine got the call, and I didn't know who we were actually playing for until I looked at the drum head and I saw Chicago. Welcome to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Be sure you are on the list for the weekly e-newsletter. Yes, I am aware that a lot of people are trying to get you to join their mailing list. That's because those folks want to bombard you to the point where you ultimately are going to hit the unsubscribe button. I'm happy to report that I only send out once a week, that's it, on Wednesday, when a new episode of this show comes out. So make sure you're signed up to receive that for free to your inbox. If you're not already getting it, go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and pop your email address into the sign-up box. I do publish exclusives in there from time to time, so don't miss out. I love hearing from listeners of this show. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you're welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from near Hartford, Connecticut, my guest is a musician, producer, composer, arranger, and pianist who just released a 16-song Christmas album at the end of October. From that project alone, one song has over a million streams on Spotify, another has more than 1.6 million streams, and yet a third has 2.6 million. He has collaborated with artists ranging from Chicago to Spirogyra to Tower of Power. He also spent a number of years in radio, both on and off the air, as well as an online streaming platform, reaching a worldwide audience of 6 million listeners in a single year. He is the owner of Studio 55 and says that he makes music to inspire and unite. You've been hearing a song called It's a Magic Day from his new Christmas album. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, James Norkowich. Hey, Bruce. How are you today? Great, great. Thank you, James. Appreciate you making time to be on the show. Thank you. Let's get started by having you share with the audience first about the song of yours that was just playing called It's a Magic Day. Did you write the song yourself, or was it a co-write? Who is that singing on it? What is the song about? Give us all the details about that track. Oh, I'd be happy to. So that was a... um song probably 20 to 25 years old and hmm. it was like any musician it's it's one of those things that you have sitting back in your musical uh, archives and uh, I was really looking to exceed what I had done last year with my uh, debut Christmas album so uh, what it, basically what I did was uh, a, a collaboration with uh, a extremely uh, just talented amount of studio musicians all across the country. Uh, it was a collaborative effort to not only put the sound together, but to put something together, you know, that when we guess we're all used to the, you know, particular Christmas carols and uh, just those Christmas carols that make you feel good. You know, it's the old standard that if it doesn't feel good, 
and then it's not good. You know, it need, needs to motivate you. It needs to get you up and going. And um, especially, you know, the times that we're coming out of COVID and, and so on and so forth, you know, we're, um, we're back doing things that we love and enjoy. And this song just shares the exuberance of Christmas season, just the joy from when you were a little kid to an adult. So let me jump in here because when you said that this is from 20 or 25 years ago, you mean you wrote it yourself back then or am I just oblivious and I've never heard this song before and it's actually been out there by someone else? No, no, this is this is totally new and it was one of those things that is it probably at one point was a a failed uh, jazz fusion song. <laughs> and, you know, like like all good songs, they never die, they just decompose and yeah there's that bad joke and i apologize for that but no i you know it's um sometimes things don't work out and you know you you can't focus on what's not working you got to focus on you know what's next and what what you're processing in your mind so essentially for me it was like i'm looking for something let's kind of dig it out and see if we can do something with it and uh, making some minor changes left and right, I'm very happy with uh, with what ca- what came out. And hmm. it seems like um, worldwide in 104 countries right now, people are kind of agreeing with the same theory. So, um, and we're not we're not even at Thanksgiving yet. That's that's the thing that kind of yeah. blows my mind. Well, that's encouraging, and it's a good lesson for us starting out early that. Right out of the gate, audience, you've just learned a lesson there from James that if you have a song that it doesn't matter how old it is, you never did anything with it, maybe you can repurpose it, maybe change the arrangements. James, who is singing on It's a Magic Day? Uh, it's an artist. by the, her, her name is Christina. She's a, uh, a studio musician in upstate New York, and um, she's probably going to be from what I understand, we'll be launching uh, her own independent work. But um, I'm very, very blessed and very humbled to to work with a group of musicians that are uh, kind of around the um, the Daryl's House kind of area. And, um, uh. you know, I speak at Daryl's House, uh, you know, Daryl Hall and John Oates. Yeah. That part of New York, Hudson Valley, and some of these uh, individuals that are on the album they've been former professors teachers um and just just people in you know in the industry who are i guess everyone is looking for a break and the best way to try your craft and see how things work uh, is you know is shadowing yourself on on someone else's work and and then see how it goes and Mm. i guess to some degree it's an experiment but you know it's nice when the experiments work and when you <laughs> when you put together a cohesive team that just really knocks it right out of the park no doubt no doubt so congratulations on the new album called Christmas Magic thank you as i said in the intro wow 16 songs and the majority of them are originals it appears just continue on and tell us more about this project well you know with this album uh so in comparison to last year which which was i wanted to keep my my jazz timbre in terms of me as a instrumentalist now this is this i was able to more or less get in and dive in as a as a writer as a producer 
and also as as a musician on this, and also kind of kind of uh, core genres within one single album. Album. I mean, you'll have you know the most wonderful time of the year, another Christmas time, which are a little more geared towards the country audience, you know, and then of course you have your instrumentals, um, you know, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hey, buddy, is um, what's unique about that. That is a track where it's being used for many different purposes, not only Christmas, but to raise awareness with, um, you know, adopting animals for the holidays. Mm. And, you know, so, you know, because there are, there are, you know, our shelters are full and things like that. So, you know, it's 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 trying it's trying to bring all of this together for the holiday season. So. When, when, and, and I must admit, literally, uh, it was mid-August, and there was about five or six songs that were originally on the album that, I mean, they were great, but it just didn't have that right uh, combo, hmm. didn't have that right uh, pizzazz that I was looking for, and because it's got, you know, the listener has to be engaged, and Nothing is more tedious and nothing is more, I should say, is more boring than to to sit and listen to an album and go, okay, I have to skip that track. Mm. And that's, I don't want people to have to skip something. Yeah. I don't want someone to have to say, you know, it may not be their favorite, but it, it'll be something they can go back to or if it has a subject matter that will resonate with them. You know, for example, um, Miss You Most at Christmas Time, Another Christmas Time. The reason I kind of put those two together is we've we've lost someone, uh, or we've lost people in our in our families mm. uh, around the holidays, and you know we think about that and uh, we remember them and we bring them as part of our you know holiday traditions. Yeah. And, and Christmas is is also all about family as well as the, the the religious significance. So I think that these all these songs just tie in not only tie into that theme, but play into each and every single aspect of I mean, whether you're wrapping gifts or you're driving to the driving somewhere or shopping, this is something so unique, you know, I I'm even looking at it and saying to myself, Yeah, I I, I just cannot believe this came out as well as it did. Well, as I say, congratulations, because 16 songs is a very, very, very thorough project. And audience, I know I said this in the intro, just show me a little grace here. This is really impressive. So it bears repeating. One song on the new album, the Christmas album that James is talking about, has over a million streams on Spotify. Another has more than 1.6 million streams, and yet a third has 2.6 million Plus, there's another one that is closing in on three-quarters of a million streams. James, this just came out at the end of October, the 29th to be exact. So with all due respect, James Norkowich is not a household name like Mariah Carey. So how have you been so successful getting so much activity in just the first month of the release, keeping in mind that this is just Spotify that I'm talking about. So those songs are getting downloaded and streamed elsewhere, too. Well, you know, I I always say this, and... I was taught this very, very early on by a teacher I had in a performing arts school that I went to as part of my high school day many, many years ago. No, it wasn't that long ago, but it, it's long ago. 
Uh, it was called Regional Center for the Arts. This gentleman was bass player for George Shearing, Marion McPartland, Frank Sinatra. And the one thing he said is that if you never, if you ever, 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 ever not pick up your instrument or for some reason you just stop playing, always keep on listening. And I admit, like everyone else, you, you know, life happens and things get in the way. So for me, you know, what do you mean keep listening? When you're keeping your mind engaged into, I mean, I have vinyl, I have, you know, cassettes, I have, you know, I have the whole streaming media. The thing is when you listen and you, you engage yourself into the artist and, and you really listen, and I mean intensively listen to what they're playing, what they're saying, how the musician's intonation is going, you know, back and forth, how they're communicating with one another. It's true. I mean, you lose your chops if you've stopped playing, but essentially when you go to pick up your instrument again, you know, all of a sudden you have a, a new nuance in terms of, hey, I, I'm, I'm hearing this that I've never heard before and I'm playing this. And um, I guess the big key, and then, and this is, I was, I actually met this gentleman, uh, the jazz saxophone legend, uh, Jerry Mulligan. You know, he said, when you really listen to others, you're studying their body of work. Mm -hmm. And um, I have all that useless musical knowledge. So <laughs> it's like, if, 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 if they were to come out with a, a musical Jeopardy, I would be the new Ken Jenny. <laughs> so, and I, I wholeheartedly mean that. I, I can tell you who's on what album, what year, label, mm. track, because you, be, you, you begin to internalize it and you begin to feel it. And, you know, we can, we can have a discussion on, you know, who loves what and what and, and who doesn't love what. But at the end of the day, these artists were inspired by someone to lay down what's on their heart and on their mind. And it's our job as listeners and followers of, mu of music and creators in, of music to interpret what their message is. Yeah. So that's pretty much how this album falls. It's, it's pretty much every Christmas song that you've ever heard. However, it's, some of them may have the same feeling like, you know, the name is surpassing me now, but, but, but I mean, people like Nat King Cole and uh, Streisand and Sinatra and all of these artists have created the platform for us to, to follow. Now it's like software. You, you basically just have to update it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, there's something that you said in all that that brings up an interesting point, which is that I introduced you as musician, producer, composer, arranger, and pianist. And as our conversation goes along, the audience will hear about other new music that you've been putting out. Since you wear so many hats, I wonder, James, do you ever say, I'm going to get someone else to be the producer on a given project just to kind of both give yourself a break and bring in an outsider's perspective, or is it, no, I just self-produce anything and everything that I record? Well, usually when I approach, and I like, for example, this project, or actually any project, to be honest with you, you know, Bruce, the thing is, is I like, and maybe this is 
somewhat cocky to say, but I like doing things my own way because I have for so many years in doing studio work and doing demos, wedding bands. I mean, you name it, it I, I, I pretty much have done it. You're conforming to someone else's idea and thought, and then you, you can't get in their head. I mean, you can try, and they can only convey to the best of their ability, you know, what's in their head. So when it comes to approaching a project or an idea, um, I like to generally take a consensus of the you know, musicians that I'm working with mm. and say, okay, this is my idea. What do you think? But before I even get to that process, I actually have somewhat of a flow chart uh, that is, you know, somewhat easy to read. I, you know, I mean, not everybody's going to agree on everything, but if you, if you have a general uh, scope of what the idea is, what you're trying to say, you know, everything else, um, you know, is, is hearsay. It just, it's one of the, it's just one of those things that, at the end, the creative influence, you know, that's the very last part um, that you add to the piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. It's it's starting and actually, you know, getting to the meat and potatoes of what you're doing that you really want to focus on because if the musicians that you're working with aren't vibing off what you were trying to say, mm. it's just, it, it's a, it's a, yeah, <laughs> forget it. Yeah. So yeah. well said. Well said. The Christmas album is your newest release, meaning you also just put out an album at the end of August, which was your first Christian album that had 12 songs and was called Lighthouse. Tell us about that project, including why you say that it was, quote, groundbreaking and something new that broke molds, end quote. Well, as you know, I don't like to stay bored. So, <laughs> so for for a Christian album, you know, you, it you, first thing is it's essentially uh, jazz slash new age slash R and B slash gospel. But the story and what Lighthouse is now, Lighthouse, you know, the symbolic representation of the lighthouse is it guides your way home. Mm. And that's also the biblical reference. And, you know, lighthouses were, you know, were, were big with my folks. And so I, I wanted to, you know, tie all of that in. So when I came to putting the album together, I wanted it something that would be enjoyable to the listener, but also engage them, you know, into a world that is, um, I guess you could say if, if you're of, you know, the Christian faith, you can understand from track, you know, track from beginning to end, mm -hmm. but the tracks, the stories that they tell that bounce off one another, it's unique because other than having, uh, it was one cover of a, of a gospel song. Nobody's really done anything like that. And, you know, artists, let's say going back to 1970, like Paul Davis, uh, you know, who was famous for I Go Crazy, really was a Christian artist, and not mm. many people knew that. Wow. So, yeah, you know, so, you know, when I when I began to take this on, and that was, you know, I, I, I actually started this album probably 
two years ago. And it was just one of those things I, I said, I have to get right. I just want to be able to have people listen and then ask questions. Mm. I mean, it's not, we're, we're not talking about, you know, that it's overly complicated and, you know, in terms of being hard to understand, but again, people tend to shy away when it's, you know, when they put it under that Christian label. So, you know, I'll make the disclaimer. It's, you know, it, it falls under four different genres of, of music. However, you know, the reoccurring theme and um, everything just really bounces off of one another. And it's, you know, if you can get people to to start to have that discussion and to start to engage into conversation and say, hey, you know, what does this track mean? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what is mm-hmm. this about? Yeah. You know, or what's yeah. that about? You're now kind of, you know, varying them in, in, into and in just in just into many, many different artists who have done the same thing. So it's um that's that's why it was really groundbreaking because music is slowly getting back to what it used to be. I mean the last ten, fifteen years things have been at a standstill and you know, if you're over the age of 30, you know, uh, you're you're used to basically what you grew up with. So, mm. uh, well said. This, you know, it, it, this just this just really really has that discussion open up to the 20 year olds and that generation to say, hey, you know, here's what's going on because as you see in the news, they have a lot to say. Let's give them the right right material to work with. Yeah, yeah, an audience. I love that in there, James said that it was about two years in the making, but he had to get it right. I was talking to someone recently who told me that an industry person told them, you need to be putting a new song out every six weeks. And I vehemently objected to that because I said, if you're just putting out a new song every six weeks for the sake of having something new out, but you don't feel good about it, then you're going about it all wrong. And so I love that James took his time because he wanted to make sure that he got it right in reference to this Lighthouse album that he's talking about. James, let's step away from music momentarily. Selfishly, I am interested to hear about all the years that you spent working in radio, both on and off the air. Tell us when that was, where that was, what you were doing, and by the way, if it helped your music career at all. Oh, my God. Uh, So after my undergraduate, I... I decided on a whim. Remember when they had before Indeed and such of those engines, you know, that you can go in and look for a job. Mm-hmm. When we actually had the thing called the classified ads. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> this was um, it was an opening at WQHT Hot 97 in uh, New York. I applied for the position. It was a sales position, and I basically said, you know, my my grandfather was in the merchant Marines. So I had learned everything about radio and ham radio from an early, early age. Ah. So, you know, and having a big mouth, you know, and love for music <laughs> is pretty much what you need to be to, to be a disc jockey. So it was absolutely, um, a fantastic experience because from, from that it went to production and then, I then went to Z100, and uh, why why that has a significance and importance is that um, 
we were on the air during 9-11. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, our towers were over on, on the uh, Twin Towers, and they had to re- reroute that. And What do you play for an audience of millions of people and to heal a country and, you know, I mean, you talk about the most awkward time uh, that I ever had. It was, it, it, it was, you know, you're you're overtaken with emotion and overtaken with this, just like where, where do we go from here? What do we do? Mm, wow. And um, and that's you know, learning a lot there on how to how to feed off you know people's emotions and and how to play towards their emotions as well and listen to people, mm. you know, because everybody has different tastes when it comes to music, but there are certain things that that bind us. So long story short, um, yeah, from there then went to it was C D one oh one point nine, which I I more or less uh developed a lot of my jazz connections and uh. you know and then and then then in Connecticut and Pennsylvania radio where it's funny, on the radio I'm more of a love songs person. So, you know, just because those ballads they speak to the heart and mm-hmm. you know for me you know, it, it's got to, it, it has to speak. It has to resonate with people. So I don't know. I'm just one of those people that if you just don't feel it, you shouldn't be doing it. Mm, nicely said. Nicely said. I, I love that story. And wow, what a journey, folks, that James has been on, huh? I'm joined today on the Now Here This Entertainment guest line from near Hartford, Connecticut, by musician, producer, composer, arranger, and pianist James Norkowich. Visit his official website at jamesanorkowich.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. His new Christmas album that you heard us talking about is called Christmas Magic. Plus, you also just heard James talking about his album Lighthouse, which was released at the end of August. Look for his music on Spotify, although on jamesanorkowich.com, you will also see that he's on SoundCloud and YouTube. There are social media icons on his website for you to follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, even LinkedIn. Contact James through his website or via social media for collaboration or to have him write a score or to book him to perform live. Folks, a lot of people like to hide behind email or so many people nowadays are just conditioned to message back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with someone through, say, a social media platform. Things can get done so much quicker by just talking with whoever it is that you're trying to do something with. Yes, an actual voice conversation. So another great thing about the OWL app is that when you see someone you'd like to connect with, you will put a voice to a name and a face because that's what their platform is. You're making voice calls through the app. You're not taking forever writing back and forth, and you're not waiting and waiting for someone to write back to you. Remember, this is not a sponsor. They're not paying me to talk about them. I just love networking and meeting new people. And while still maintaining privacy, meaning not having to give out your phone number, I can make new connections right away through OWL. That's two W's and two L's, even though it sounds like I'm saying the bird. Try it out. Call me on there. Here's how to start on my podcast website, nhte.net. Tap or click anywhere it says home and then read the article I have posted there under the headline, Help Now a Phone um, App Call Away to Learn More About OWL. 
I've also got links in there for you to download the app for free from either the App Store or Google Play. Plus, you will see my invitation code, which is a required field as you're setting up the app on your phone. Get on OWL and start on your way to making great new connections for your career. James, you told us a nice story there about your radio career, but let's get into your whole backstory. How and where did you get started into music? Well, at the age of three, I honestly remember it. My grandfather had uh, purchased one of those just toy organs. And then when um, I'm maybe five, six years old for Christmas, Santa brought, uh, it was a Bon Tempe uh, chord organ. And mm. I literally, by, by the end of in the Christmas Day, I, I played everything in the book because <laughs> it was, you know, numbers and chords. And then I then studied piano and then got involved uh, in doing theater organ because, uh, oddly enough, my grandfather uh, played organ by ear, never was formally trained, but had 13 to 15 organs in his home. Mm. And now that might be eccentric, but it, it really created the platform. So I, I kept studying, 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 you know, privately and, you know, just, you know, playing for, you know, my own enjoyment for my parents, my family, holidays at my aunt's house. Um, then, like I said, when I was in, in high school, I was accepted. It's, it, it's like a fame school for the arts uh, that was located in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And um, there you're working with industry professionals as part of your high school day, and you're earning college credits so uh. that you can kind of waltz into college with um, – not only having the experience, but also having those credits so you can, you know, further your education. Well, and let me jump in here for a second, because speaking of going off to college, if I have this right, I believe that when it came time for college, is this correct? You applied to six schools and were accepted by five? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. But the thing was, is that, you know, like everything, at least 25, 30 years ago, you know, I didn't want to put my parents in any type of financial position. It's like, you know, if you're going for medicine or law, I guess it's one thing. Although my parents would have done anything, I said, you know, I'll just wait. So that summer, uh, one of my uh, teachers at the from the high school program said that the, you know, the university in town it was off, actually offering four-year music scholarships. Mm. So I, I applied and got not only four-year music scholarship, but also got my postgrad as well on scholarship. Wow! wow. So I'm, and then again, you're you're working. See, I I'm being born and raised in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and it being the largest city in Connecticut and on the coastline, you're an hour and a half from uh, New York. So I all these artists I was subject to being in their presence from, you know, Niall Rogers from Chic to, you know, Fred Victor from, you know, um, Average White Band and mm. so on and so forth. It was crazy. But, you know, the, the things that you learned and the people that you're, the circles that you just got involved with. And of course, probably the biggest story is that, um, bunch of friends of mine and I were, were playing around and we used to make fun of this one gentleman who would be practicing his guitar 
at the local gas station. Hmm. And he's in he's in the bay and he's practicing and you know we we go get our gas and you know off to the gig making fun of him until that one morning where you turn on the television set and there's his video and that gentleman is John Mayer. Hmm. So yeah, amazing, amazing. We, you know. Never, never, never make fun of anyone <laughs> and never always be humble and never be cocky. Yeah, but that was uh, that was a very sobering moment. I'm well, like, I just. But let me blow your horn for you because you started to mention a few names here. I would love it if you would share in your own words about some of the people that you have worked with over the years. I mentioned a few in the intro, but I'd rather hear it from you than me reading it to the audience. Sure. Uh, so, I, again, graduating out of uh, the University of Bridgeport, Spyrogyra, a jazz fusion band, which my cousin Peter, um, who was also a musician, before me starting my freshman year um, in high school, he introduced me. He's like, listen, you got to listen to this album. The album was Spyrogyra's Free Time. He said, this is going to save your life. Well, hmm. I didn't know what he meant. But at the end of uh, high school, at the end of college, it was nice to do a uh, Northeastern, you know, leg of uh, of their tour. And David Samuels, he's no longer with us. Uh, but, you know, he lived probably to 10 minutes from my house. You know, I mean, you're, you're talking, like, again, these just just immense, sick talent that, you know, you're, you're around. And then uh, one, one thing rolled to another, it just happened to be, a, you know, was the same professor from the high school program said, well, you know, this, this band is going to be playing locally. They're, I guess they got held up somehow. And, um, well, they, uh, they ended up doing an impromptu concert and, uh, they needed a keyboard player and a drummer. So I and, um, a good friend of mine got the call and, I didn't know who we were actually playing for uh-huh. until I looked at the drum head and I saw Chicago. Mm. I mean, I grew up listening, you know, every Friday night during, you know, this time of the year when, when nice and cold out and you just go for a cruise and by the water and, you know, listening to Chicago. And of course, David Foster is one of my idols. So, you know, he, he basically wrote all that stuff for Chicago and, and how Tower of Power came apart, uh, it was like literally people that I was doing studio work for just said, hey, we're, we've got this open jam and, you know, we really love it if, you know, um, if you just pop by. And, of course, at that particular time, I probably tried to talk myself out of it. 300 times because I, I'm like, well, you know, I'm uh, well, what ended up happening, I, I didn't realize who I was playing with. I'm like, you know, these guys are actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know. I mean, I'm like, okay, um, you, this, this is the Tower of Power. And um, we had we had some chances to do some re, uh, recordings and some, like, impromptu stuff. Uh, and, and again... Um, I mean, and the stories go on and on. There's uh, one other person uh, is really worth mentioning. Um, uh, his name's uh, Paul Nelson. 
he toured with uh, Johnny Winters, uh, was on, you know, Letterman, Leno back in the day. And I just remember getting called to fill, do a fill-in for somebody who never really did anything with, with their career other than making a demo. But he's a teacher and he's also a world-renowned, you know, uh, guitarist. And, you know, just, just to be able to play with people like that and, yeah. I mean... Uh, you know they there's such a level of intimidation <laughs> but sure. they're they're so they're so down to earth um yeah. they teach you and you, you you're not expecting to be taught if that makes any sense yeah yeah nicely said and folks i felt the same way i'm going to put two links on the show page for james's episode on my podcast website nhte.net i was so impressed i had the opportunity james mentioned chicago and I had the opportunity to interview Danny Serafin, who is the co-founder of Chicago. And I also had Bill Champlin as a guest on my show. He was a member of Chicago for 28 years. And both of them, as James is saying, very down to earth. So I'll put links on the show page for James's episode so you can go back and listen to those interviews that I did with both Danny Serafin and Bill Champlin. James, as we all know, the pandemic really changed the landscape for musicians Tell us what you decided to do during that time. Well, you know, during the pandemic, um, I think we were, you know, I find it funny when they say that people were were forced to be with their families. I think that, <laughs> you know, there's some idiotic cynicism in it, um, you know, because it's like uh, how I grew up, you'd, you'd, you'd want to spend time with your family. So, you know, I was able to spend that time and focus on say, okay, well, here's what I want to do. And I was out of the loop for a couple of years, you know, due to, well, I guess you could say just life gets in the way, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you just have to, it's not that you're totally out of it, but you're, you're you know, everything kind of takes a back seat, you know, places that you knew were that were, that you used to gig at have now changed and where I grew up, everything has changed. And, uh, so, you know, that being said, you know, the pandemic was like, okay, how can, how can I refocus or rebrand myself? Mm -hmm. And, you know, social media has a big, big factor on, on, on how people listen to music and how you distribute things and how you, how you convey your, your visual as well as um, audio presence and how you distribute your instrument and your music, you know, and it probably took about six months to actually look and see, you know, it, I mean, what, we, what would have required, you know, getting, getting a contract and doing this, you couldn't have actually put anything out there independently, you know, and, and, so I decided to start my own label and bring people underneath that, ah. and, you know, so I, and then said, you know, well, I've got to recreate me and I've got to, I've got to target a whole new audience and, and an existing audience. So then you're like, okay, well, how in the world am I going to do that? Well, you know, the, the first thing is that again, making that flow chart and saying, okay, these are my goals. This is what I want to do. And then, um, 
I lost my dad in 2021 to the pandemic. Mm. And, uh, and so that was, you know, I want to say also a, an extra force of, of motivation, mm. you know, because there were so many things I wanted to say. And, you know, when someone's not here to, to hear them, you know, it's more, it, it's more of a, I guess an inner challenge to get, get things out there. And so that being said, uh, you know, I, I, I started just ramping things up and literally, well, I probably December of 2021 started the Christmas album for my first Christmas album. Oh, okay. Yeah. The one that came out last year. Correct. And by the way, before you continue, I just want to clarify for the audience, when James says Studio 55, that's the record label. I don't want you to hear Studio 55 and think, oh, he decided to go and open a recording studio. That's what that is. But James, go ahead and continue, because as the audience could tell from the first half of this episode, and you're having put out two albums totaling 28 songs in two months, and now here you are talking about the Christmas album from last year, you are in a really busy phase of your career. So continue, please. Give us the recap from 2021 to present day. So from, uh, you know, 2021, I, I, you know, I, I said, okay, now I'm going to start moving things along and, and getting things going. And it wasn't until I would say this is kind of the turning point um, in March of last year the whole crisis in Ukraine took place. So I decided I'm going to make a video showing the beauty of Ukraine and I'm going to put an original score to it because mm. it's actually one of my, one of my majors was outside music education was film scoring. So I decided to, to do that and to know it would just forget it. It, it did not work. So this is like five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, and I, I'm I just literally I don't know whatever made me think, process, and just I just started playing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, mm-hmm. and I'm playing and I'm watch, I'm watching the video that I just created, and I'm like, you know something, I think this works. Not only did it work, I put it on Twitter because I was only that and. I just had joined Twitter the week before mm-hmm. and uh, someone in, um, in the UK, she's the number one selling classical crossover artist on iTunes, heard my version of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. We had a conversation uh, via, you know, via cell phone and, you know, uh, Zoom and she put her her vocals to it mm. and it just absolutely blew me away and of course the things she's doing now are are you know following her career i mean uh, are are speechless um and then in the same token it was like you know here here we had an, another uh sadly another tragedy in the US and in Uvalde Texas so I said, you know, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to follow the same old and see if, you know, we can raise awareness and do something. Try to make a difference. And um 
I did the video and I was looking on YouTube for someone and did a cover of Queens who wants to live forever. And this, this gentleman just absolutely blew me away. And, uh, Sidebar note to the whole story was that it got play um, in the UK, uh, heavy rotation, and the lead singer, who's now not, who's now the new lead singer of uh, Queen, Adam Lambert. Yeah. I was back in my backyard, and I, I, it just said international call. I get it, and I guess they were doing a concert somewhere or he, they heard, they heard something on the radio or however the, the channels and, 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 and the world runs over on that side of the pond, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was just like, uh, it, he, he had heard my version. He said, I am absolutely blown away. And, you know, thank you for recording that. Wow. He goes, Freddie Mercury, Freddie Mercury would have been proud. And I'm like, mm. That was at that mo- moment. I'm like, I wish I could have recorded this because no <laughs> one is going to believe me. <laughs> well, but think of it this way: the more you tell this story, the better chance it has of getting back to Adam Lambert. And if he says that's BS, why is this James guy out there saying it? He's going to call you out. So clearly, we don't need the recording to believe you. But it does also speak to the fact that we have heard today throughout our conversation that you are big on collaborations. So, what future plans and projects do you have on the docket? Well, you know, I, I uh, of course, outside of getting through Christmas, I, I really like to put. Um, I'm not one of those people who who constantly watch uh, many many YouTube videos of other people because I don't want to, you know, compare myself to anybody else but me. However, that being said, there are some groups who are doing um, now. You know. I have a jazz, my primarily a jazz background. If I can do something jazz fusion, if I can do something, you know, R and B, even rock or a combination of the three, I think it would be not only um, new and challenging, but it would also give. Um, I mean, like the, the the music that we, you know, grew up in the '70s and '80s and '90s. You know, a lot of these bands, you know, like. Uh, I think they just announced that they were going on tour after being uh, away for so many years. Creed, you know, they're re kind of hitting their base. And, you know, the thing is, is that you kind of want to follow in that same token, um, because now once you open things up and you say to people, hey, you know, I people are listening to this again, people are listening to that again there's a market for it and you know you can you can do it in a way that no one has ever done it before and that's the goal is to take something that people are familiar with but put your own uh signature to that yeah and then make it something that 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 it it's just so so good to listen to you sit there and you go wow this is crazy uh and that's that's really honestly just how how the greatest, you know, artists kind of have reinvented themselves. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorites, Frankie Valley. You know, I mean, going through many eras of music. You know, um, you know, even Sinatra and so on and so forth. You have to learn to kind of roll with the punches. <laughs> uh, 
as David Lee Roth once sang. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Nicely said, though. Well, we're going to close today with another song from the Christmas Magic album, one called Christmas in My Heart. James, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience first all about this one, if you would, please. This is kind of tapping into, um, you know, uh, again, growing up, I want to say on the outskirts, because, you know, every city has, you know, the that you know a heavy, heavy predominant downtown area, and then and then then there's more of the um, uh, more of the suburban area. Mm-hmm. I was I grew up in more of the suburban area, but those influences still have, you know, they resonate with you. So it's like, you know, I wanted to do something that, that had a nice R and B, um, you know, mix to it. And, and, and and it was yet current. However, there aren't, there aren't that many Christmas songs out other than Donny Hathaway and, and a handful of others who really, you know, consider that they're in the urban market. So I hope it lasts. I hope it sticks. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, um, I, like everything, it's it's spreading the word, telling a friend, you know, sharing a playlist and, yeah. and hoping that um, it gives you that motivation, makes you feel that, you know, that je ne sais quoi, so to speak. And mm-hmm. it tells a story that you, that you want to, that you maybe can't tell, but through music, someone else can tell it for you. Mm. And who is the singing the song that we're about to hear? That is a, he's he's a fantastic uh, studio uh, artist out of uh, Philadelphia. Ah. His name is Thomas Gord, like the, you know, like the Harvest Pumpkin, Uh you know. He's done things with uh, Philip Bailey. Mm. Uh, he's done things things with um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, I mean, you know, those are some pretty heavy people. But you know, again, being in the background and shadowing everything in the background is not where you know. Uh, well, I can't speak for him. I, I, I assume that he loves doing what he's doing but you know in terms of getting out there and and doing things on his own you know that's what's exciting this whole collaboration end of things um this might be a collaboration where you know we've talked that he might bring me along Mm. and be able to to write for him wow so you know it's it's one hand kind of washing the other yeah Um, exactly exactly you know Well, James, congratulations on both of your new albums, Christmas Magic and Lighthouse. Thank you for making time to be on Now Here's This Entertainment. And since this is coming out the day before the holiday, I will say happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. And you you and yours have a very, very uh, happy Thanksgiving as well. Thank you so much. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to musician, producer, composer, arranger, and pianist James Norkowicz. Again, do visit his website at jamesanorkowicz.com. As I mentioned before, I will have a link to his website on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Do check out his new releases, the Christmas Magic album, as well as the Christian album called Lighthouse, 
join the masses who are streaming his music on Spotify. Give him a follow on there. On his website, you'll see lots of links to engage with James on social media, meaning Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and even LinkedIn. For that matter, tell James you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. If you've made it all the way to the end, thank you for having stuck with James and I, and I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, more than nine and a half years without missing once by going on my podcast website, nhte.net, and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo that you will see there. This is not a sponsor, by the way. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That's going to do it for episode 510. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from James Norkowich. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Christmas in My Heart. Santa's coming to visit No, he wouldn't miss this In Christmas